Welcome to Inspirational Australians, where we share stories of Australians making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. We at Inspirational Australians acknowledge the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waterways on which this podcast is produced. We pay our respect to elders past and present and those who are emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. At Inspirational Australians, we are inspired by the world's oldest living culture and pay homage to their rich storytelling history when we share stories on our podcast. Thank you very much, and I'm excited to welcome today's guest, someone that I met at the New South Wales ACT Gala Presentation Dinner for the Seven Years Young Achiever Awards there in Sydney at the Fullerton Hotel, the winner of the Spirit Super Connecting Communities Award 2023. His name's Harrison James, and he's a child sexual abuse survivor and an advocate for survivors. Harrison is founder of the Your Reference Ain't Relevant campaign, aiming to remove the provision of good character references for perpetrators of child sexual abuse in the sentencing procedure. Now, Harrison's petition for this will go to New South Wales parliamentary debate in August. So by the time this episode is live, that will be that petition will be up and ready to go. So to tell us all about the campaign, about Harrison's important work, I'm going to throw it to you, Harrison. Welcome. How are you going? Hey. Hey, thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it, Josh. And yeah, it, it's awesome to have a chat. Yep, it's a pleasure, mate. So, Harrison, yeah, great to have you on. Now, can you tell us a little bit, you know, obviously I mentioned the bio there, the uh, the your reference ain't relevant. I think that's a really good place to start. Can you tell yeah. us? I mean, I've got two questions here. Firstly, tell us a bit more about it. And secondly, um, how do you get something like this to a parliamentary debate? Because that is so interesting. Yeah, of course. Um, so... I started the Your Reference Ain't Relevant campaign with my friend and fellow advocate Jared Grice in May of this year. Um, there was obviously a build-up to that where we were planning and making sure all our affairs were in order. But, um, yeah, we started, uh, we met with uh, Greens MP Abigail Boyd, who's uh, yeah, um, a, a member of the Legislative Council here in New South Wales, so the Upper House of Parliament uh, for New South Wales State Parliament. And um, we essentially met with her and just had a chat about um, this sort of strange quirk in the law that I recognised where um, convicted pedophiles are able to use good character references if they didn't meet um, their uh, their victim in the um, sort of so if they're if they're if they're an obvious person of good standing in the community and they've met their child they've met their victim through that um, good standing, um, then they they're not allowed to use them. But for any other sort of convicted pedophile, they are allowed to use them. So in cases like mine, where my stepmother did what she did to me for many many years, um, she would be enti- uh, uh, entitled to use her good character references with the current law. And our position is that it is never appropriate for a child sex offender to utilise um, good character provisions in sentencing, uh, yeah, in an effort to reduce their sentence. Um, that is a so strange quirk. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, the terms good character and pedophile, by definition, they cancel each other out. They don't really work. So that's our whole argument. And, um, yeah, I sat down with a few different lawyers to sort of come up with the legislation and um and what we needed to ask for in the petition and then yeah we just ran that petition through with abigail and it's been open for signatures since may and um yeah since then we've just been working with different journalists and uh trying to get the word out so we can yeah see some see some action on it awesome so i think that's one thing i misunderstood so the the uh, petition is live now that's right yeah so it closes on Oh, yeah, it closes, closes on August 3rd. Um, yeah. So uh, people can, if you're a New South Wales resident, people can head to the Parliament of New South Wales website on the Legislative Council page and, um, yeah, sign there. It takes less than a minute to sign. And, um, yeah, it, it's all, all for a good thing and that'll be debated in August. Yeah. 
as well. So yes, yeah. obviously to get that to a debate, you have to have an MP's kind of support. Is that right? That's that correct. Who you're so, talking about? Yeah, that's Abigail. So Abigail's representing our petition, and then yeah, she'll take it to parliamentary debate um, and pass a motion, and um, yeah, it'll trigger a, a debate in late August. We think it's going to go ahead then. So yeah, yeah petition closes August third, and then late August it will go ahead to debate. Yeah. So you raise a good point there about you know the word good character or the term good character and yeah pedophile and how obviously that clearly clashes um yeah you know it's obviously such a a good point and any parent out there um you know that's narrowing it anyone out there yeah. really listening to this can obviously have their own thoughts on that and it, you know people it's a strong such a strong uh topic for me yeah. it's it raises alarm bells that someone could get a good character reference and then that you know and i'm just imagining the scenario in my head that yeah. they can then um, you know, volunteer in a group that may have access to to young people and things like that. Is that kind of what good character references are for? What are they? What are they for? So, yeah, that's um, so. Anyone who commits any sort of crime is is able to use a good character reference to prove their sort of good standing in the community. So, if I got a speeding ticket or something, I could use a good character reference. Um, um, yeah, I'm 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 not a lawyer, so I don't know the ins and outs and specifics of everything, but. Um, yeah, that's that's what it's utilised for. And um, but our sort of position, as I was explaining before, is that um, the actual good character is part of the crime when it comes to child sexual abuse. Perpetrators weaponise their good character to get in contact with their victims. Um, that's why there's this whole sort of good bloke mentality. Um, people think, oh, he he wouldn't harm a fly or whatever, and he's safe to leave my child with and. Yeah, so that's that. It's they sort of um, they sort of um, they corrupt that that um, yeah. They not only groom the victim, they groom everyone around the victim mm. into thinking they're a person to be around. So yeah, yeah good character is essentially good grooming. It's a it's it's a part of, it's a part of the crime. Yeah, that's such an interesting um, way to think about it because it's so true. People I've heard that before yeah. when you hear you know allegations and things, even if it's someone in this um like a celebrity people say oh well, they wouldn't do that yeah but obviously that's yeah. A, such a tough one they've created this persona uh, around themselves and yeah so exactly. and obviously it's a very personal um topic for you harrison did it take yeah. you a long time to kind of you know get did you have this thought a long time ago and then come to it or um what was it in your personal journey that led you to take this kind of action yeah, so um, I've been an advocate for about a year now, and before I was, I wanted to do advocacy different. I I'd never been political or into uh, you know politics or anything like that. Just um, it's wasted on the youth, I guess. But um, and then when I was doing my advocacy, I was doing things like events, and um, like I started we alongside a charity called What Were You Wearing. We worked together to create. Australia's first ever sexual assault awareness music festival. And um, I did things like I ran a clothing brand and I ran a brand that had these condoms and they had consensual warnings on the front of them and stuff like that. So I wanted to get people comfortable with an uncomfortable situation uh, topic to talk about. I wanted yeah. them to um, have a sort of avenue to go through so it could spark these conversations. And then with my advocacy, it just got to a point where I think I wanted to be taken more seriously among amongst my peers in the space. And that's sort of, um, I had this idea about a year ago, um, that, that good character with the good character, but I, I didn't know where to start with it. And then, um, me and my friend Jared, we just went out for, for a couple of beers one day and we were saying, Oh, that's such a good thing to sort of, sort of work on and, and we should pursue it. And then, um, I said, yeah, we should. Like, I just needed that sort of driving force to give me the the kick to start it off, and um, yeah. And then, so that was on the Saturday when we went for a couple. And then he called me on Monday and was like, "Oh, yeah, I think we really got to work at that." And I responded, "Well, what do you mean? I'm already got me meetings with three different lawyers this week and stuff like that." So yeah, wow. it was um, it was funny. I just needed that sort of kickstart, and Jared was able to provide that to me and. Um, yeah, that was earlier 
that was in about February this year. So, and also I got a taste of of what sort of politics and um, what government uh, uh, changes in government can do when um, when I worked with New South Wales to police to bring forward their new sexual assault reporting options. It's an online version, uh, so people can report and keep and be anonymous when they're reporting. Yeah. Um, so was that not previously for, possible to be anonymous? So, so um, there was a thing called SARA, but it was a paper-based document. So yeah. um, a survivor who was reporting to police had to, like, download this file, print it off, fill it out, scan it back in and email it off to the thing. And I think after you've just had one of the worst things imaginable happen to you, that's the last thing you'd ever want to do. So it, it became this online sort of version and it's in 12 different languages. And um, now, yeah, people can um, report if they, they can choose not to be contacted um, or, or to be contacted by police, or they can choose to only be contacted if several victims come forward for the same perpetrator. So it was just an easier way for people to gain access and, and upload um, upload their stories to police, I guess. And um, yeah, when I when we when I did the press conference with New South Wales Police and the New South Wales Government, and it came out officially, um, like we did the reports, we got a third of the amount of last year's reports in two weeks. Um, and I just saw the real like reporting went up seven hundred, uh, sorry, five hundred percent. And wow. I just saw the real sort of impact that that change can have. So that also really um, cemented that I wanted to get into policy making as well. Mm. And I just sort of went, and yeah, we're at this point now. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Those stats that uh, yeah, you know, you 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 make something easier for someone, and uh, of course, you're going to see good results. So that's yeah. ho- horrible to think. Yeah. You know, the flip side of that is that people obviously weren't reporting enough because these. That's right. And I think, you know, unfor- un- so unfortunate. Um, you know, I've got a, I've got two young kids, six and four, and you know, the innocence of them sometimes just makes you think about the world differently. And they asked something about robbers or something like we talked. Yeah. Can't remember how it came up, and they're saying, "Oh, why do people do that? Like bad things." Yeah, <laughs> and stumped me. Silence from yeah. me. I'm like, sure, jeez. Yeah, I don't know. And it's shocking that this I- does happen. And you know, these simple. Sorry, shouldn't shouldn't say simple. These things that sound easy in when you when you yeah. say it out loud, and the realities yeah. of all the different policy that's behind it, the work that's going mm. to change it. So, I mean, yeah, super impressed with with your work, Harrison. It's uh, oh, so important. Thanks. And these, um, so the thing with Saro, um, the police thing, and the your reference ain't relevant campaign. They're only for New South Wales at the moment. Um, right. but I know that I'm keen to pursue them in other states and territories too because everyone deserves the same sort of rights and and privileges when it comes to this sort of thing. And, um, yeah, there's so much more work that we can do. These are just two simple fixes, but there's a plethora of things that we can do to make this this whole process easier for for victims and survivors because right now the odds are stacked against us. There's no... um, there's no incentive for us to come forward because we know the system is set up for us to fail. So we don't bother participating. So yeah, we, we've got to do a lot more, but this is, these sort of examples are a great starting point, especially for a wider conversation amongst people as well. The other comment I had, just going back a little bit, you were saying that you caught up with your mate and, uh, you know, and then that was kind of a spark. It's just uh, another reason why you're a young achiever and inspirational Australian, Harrison, because I think most people, when they catch up with a mate and have a, a good idea, uh, whether it's frivolous or important, yeah. usually you leave and you say, all right, have a good one, and the idea yeah. kind of ends there. And you might bring it up a year later. Oh, yeah, remember that that thing we talked about? Yeah. And just, uh, yeah, so so cool that not only did you just go out and start booking conversations with lawyers and your friend actually <laughs> followed up on the Monday as well. So. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, really, really cool, and obviously it shows that you really are driven to to make these changes. Yeah, thanks, Josh, and I think well, my friend's a survivor as well, and I yeah. think we, the one thing that I mean, a consistent theme among survivors is that they want to incite change because they don't want it to happen to any other person. We know what it's like to sort of be in uh, 
what I can only describe as one of the lowest of lows that any possible person can be driven to, I guess. And um, yeah, yeah, we just don't want anyone else to feel like that. So I, I think survivors are some of the most intellectual people I've ever met and they're driv- so driven and, and they want to see change and, and yeah, they're forces to be reckoned with. So that's I'm, I'm inspired by the community that I'm a part of. So, yeah. You mentioned the uh, Australia's first sexual assault awareness music festival. Um, can you yeah. tell us a bit about that, you know, how it came about and then uh, what the actual festival uh, was like? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I have a friend named Sarah Williams who runs What Were You Wearing? Um, yep. It's a foundation dedicated to ending sexual violence and she was a winner of a, another category um, This in this year's Young Achiever Awards. Uh, but, yeah, um, this was last year yeah last year and um yeah i was receiving a an award in newcastle and um we were she was uh giving it to me and um i said oh i have this great idea to do a music festival i think it'd be really sort of great thing to bring people together and she replied oh my god you'd have no idea what we're announcing tonight it's our music festival would you like to be a part of it and i said of course i would love to um, help out and yeah so I did all the merchandise for it because I was running my clothing brand at the time and um, I hosted one of the one of the three stages um, which I love doing as well and yeah so, so that means you were kind of like up and up on the stage and yeah yeah in front so of people and stuff yeah between acts and introducing acts and stuff like that yeah it was yeah it was fun after I go in the audience and meet with people and have conversations and stuff um if they weren't enjoying the music of course but um it was a great day we had over for the first one it was good numbers i think we had like over a thousand people come through throughout the whole day and it was an enclosed venue um but these three three massive like rooms and three stages and yeah it was a great day um and it just i think it was created it was created to combat sort of um drink spiking and and unsafe practices in venues and um yeah so i think we wanted to show an alternative that we people can make this work and the big organizations can actually implement legitimate practices you know if we can do it they can definitely do it so we wanted to show them um that this can be done and yeah that that's all sarah's work and and what we were wearing the what were you wearing teams work and i was just a i was just a part of it and i'm grateful to have been a part of it yeah for sure so sarah as you said she won what you were wearing what were you wearing won the freemasons of new south wales and act community service award um and that was uh would have been amazing to have you both being there uh, yeah you know as winners and up on the same stage at one point together at the end of the night um probably a bit of a surreal moment i'm guessing yeah it was a great feeling and um yeah, we were just we we're talking about it after, and yeah, it's it's a it was a very surreal moment for sure to see that we've gone through very similar journeys, and to to sort of be on that stage together was a great feeling. Yeah, I think it uh, also tells a little bit about what people are now starting to value, and you said it yourself earlier, making these um, you know not so comfortable conversations more common and making it more comfortable for people that now as part of awards programs you know that aren't focused on this area they're Mm. they're focused on all different fields and now we're actually trying to celebrate and put in the spotlight these kinds of um, conversations that maybe aren't so comfortable for people and showcasing different um, types of things that spark these conversations and uh yeah you know it's it's great to have you and obviously sarah as well and amongst others uh leading that that charge thank you so that sounds like such a cool uh, festival. And do you know their plans to to do it again? I think there's a yeah, there's a, another one coming soon. But I think um, I'm not I'm not too in on it yet. I think I think I, I, they've asked me to come back and do it again, and I'd be more than happy to. But I've been so busy with the campaign I'm running at the moment. I just I don't want to spread myself too thin. I want to if I'm going to do something, I want to make sure I'm going to be there to give it my all. 
This episode is brought to you by Spirit Super, the super fund for hard-working Australians. Let's be honest, most of us don't pay enough attention to our super. It's either too hard, too confusing, or we simply don't know what super is. But that's okay. Spirit Super makes learning about and looking after your super super easy. With a focus on strong returns, an award-winning service, and super experts offering practical and helpful advice, Spirit Super is here for you and your super. For more info, go to spiritsuper.com.au. Consider the PDS and TMD at spiritsuper.com.au slash PDS before making a decision. Ishura is Motor Trade Association of Australia Superannuation Fund PDY LTD. Advice is provided by Quadrant First PDY LTD. Past performance isn't a reliable indicator of future performance. So yeah, with, with that, you know, advocacy work and policy, and then, um, you know, you've also uh, got to make an income and those kind of things. How are you juggling yeah. all of these things and uh, where do you find the time for it? Yeah, um, so I work um, I work part-time at a bar, which I love doing, and then I dedicate all my other time to sort of the advocacy and the policy making. And, um, yeah, it's... It, it's it, you have to find time to uh, meet with friends and you know with, with family as well and you always have to make time for that you need to set time aside for yourself as well which is really important you know sometimes you just need to recharge um definitely so it's it's all i think it's a difficult balancing act for not just me but for everyone um i think everyone has difficulties balancing their schedules and um yeah but also i just have this uh, drive that I, and not to sound egotistical, but I haven't seen it in anyone else. I think um, I'm sort of different in that sense. Um, I just, yeah, I wake up each morning. It's the first thing I think about and I go to bed thinking of what I've got to do for the next day for it. So, um, yeah, it's sort of taking up a lot of my time at the moment, but it's only been since May and um, that we've gone full force with it and it'll wrap up soon when we win. And yeah, so um, I just had to, uh, yeah, it's, I'm just so motivated in getting it done. And um, yeah, but I do still take time out for myself here and there. <laughs> Harrison, how much of it is kind of a solo effort of, you know, you said that you're driven um, and I think that's not egotistical at all. I think it's fantastic yeah. to embrace our strengths and our skills and, you know, the assets that we have to believe in ourselves if we want to yeah. achieve great results. Yeah. So that is, I, I really want to applaud that as well. But how much of it is solo versus, you know, bringing other people in? And I only mentioned that about, you know, how you said you were driven because I guess it's a true prong question. I'm making this a long question. If you are teaming up with people, do you find it difficult to work with others who may not share that drive that you have. Sure, it's like um, it's like spinning plates. I think you, you have to. When I went to, um, and also it's it's very much a team effort. You know, th- this this work is the makeup of lots and lots of people. It's not just me. Um, but I think I just calibrate the teams and put them in place so we can all go towards a, a you know, a united sort of endpoint. Um, which I think is what a leader does. And I think that's a really important attribute to have. Um, but yeah, like when, when it comes to sort of spinning these plates, there's the survivors that, um, you know, want to share their stories for the campaign. There's the journalists, there's the uh, politicians, there's the lawyers. So there's all different groups that I have to interact with to try put it into this one big pot so we can make this uh, win happen. It's a sort of um, difficult thing to sort of get your head around, but I think if you have a great support system, which I do with uh, lots of my friends that are, are part of the survivor community as well, and they put me in contact with um, certain individuals and stuff like that, which I'm very, very grateful for. Yeah, that helps a million, a million times over. But I also think that people are often scared to ask the question, like, "Do you know this person?" or or they're scared to uh, to send that email to that to that person that think that they think that they or that they know can um, get them to that next point. Um, yeah. So um, my advice to cope with that would just be yeah that self belief, that self determination, and that sort of manifesting of I know 
that I'll get this done and yeah, just driving through. Um, that's sort of my advice with that, I guess. What's well, awesome. You read my mind. I was going to ask you if you had any tips for people, you know, wanting to get into advocacy and uh, policy making and, and this kind of work that you're doing. And you kind of uh, beat me to the punch there. So yeah. in terms of journalists, you mentioned them, um, you know, that can be quite difficult sometimes. People try to need to get their story or their campaign out there. Have you found any, you know, useful ways or, or kind of um, have you got any other tips, I guess, for people wanting to engage in that way? Yeah, of course. Um, I think the thing with um, journalism and getting your story out there is that it's such, there's so many stories out there. Um, so you really have to um, uh, differentiate yourself and, and sort of, it's weird because you have to pitch it, but I, I don't want to say pitch it because it, I just think it's such a, with what I'm doing, it's such a valid story to be put out there. And it could really change the conversation on how people approach preventing child sexual abuse. Um, it's such a, I think, with the statistics that we see of how prevalent child sexual abuse is, um, which is one in three girls and one in five boys, I think it's a necessity that that information's out there. So, yeah, it's all in how you pitch it to, to journalists. Um, and... Difficult thing with journalism as well is that, and this isn't, I'm not knocking it, but it specifically for survivors, you have to be careful that it's not just being sensationalized for sort of their own uh, needs and stuff like that. You really need to be upfront and clear with your intentions and, and yeah. what your boundaries are with it and stuff like that. It's really, really important. And that's, that's a whole nother conversation. But in, reg in terms of tips, I would say that's some of the best advice I've received so far is really being stern and, and clear with your boundaries and how you want to approach this and also what you expect to come of it as well um, so that the people that are uploading these stories or working with you on these stories can can um, put the appropriate measures in place to sort of try their best to meet those expectations. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's about developing. It's all about relationships and um strengthening relationships and and keeping them alive and yeah that's what it's all about so that would be my sort of advice think of it as a like you're trying to build a business almost mm. um yeah and and don't be afraid to send that email or uh, uh ring that phone number or whatever you know that you know um yeah it'll all work itself out if you believe it will yeah i remember someone telling me once um they were having a you know, on a similar vein, they're like, oh, just feeling a bit anxious to make that call or whatever. Yeah. And I said, oh, well, the worst that can happen is they don't pick up. But they actually yeah. had a good point. They said, no, nah, I'm actually more worried if they do pick up. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't want to have the, you know, that uh, conversation or face any tough yeah. questions or anything like that. And I had to laugh because it's funny. Everyone is so different. They think of it in different ways. But, um, but you're right. You just got to. Give it a go, don't you? Uh, and yeah, I suppose. Well, I think um, I think wasted a wasted opportunity causes more pain for us than the rejection. So um, yeah, it's it's really important just to give it a crack because you'll be kicking yourself later. <laughs> yep, so true. Now you mentioned before as well um, of you know the great support you've had and that it's definitely a team effort. And going back to the awards night just quickly, I could definitely see that that was the case because not only were you super uh, supported at the awards night event um, when you won the Spirit Super Connecting Communities Award. But then afterwards as well on socials, so many people were really backing you and um, supporting your efforts, which was great to see. You know, I guess going back to that moment when you were announced as the winner, what was it that was going through your head uh, when that happened, when they announced Harris and James? There was uh, uh, lots of different emotions. Um, uh, there, there was great excitement and a real thrill and um there was a great sense of um humility like i felt humble and and really appreciated and that was lovely but i was also sort of conflicted because at the time one of the uh which i mentioned in my speech as well was the the uh uh, uh the bruce lerman video that uh, uh interview that was going on channel seven and i sort of thought it was appropriate to mention that and that got a lot of attention as well after the fact um so but 
yeah, it was great to see from the uh, awards night themselves, like the Young Achiever Awards, they said we fully support what Harrison said and stuff like that, which I was really appreciative of. And, um, yeah, I just thought for if I'm an advocate for survivors, I have to use um, those opportunities to call certain things yeah. out. And, um, yeah, it was really important to me, and I appreciated that I was supported by the organi- like the organisation as well. So, um, Was it a, yeah. a tough, tough choice for you to do it, or was it something that, you know, you kind of knew you were going to do, or did it just come to you in the moment? No, it sort of just came. Uh, I knew I was going to, I thought about doing it and I I just told my, I knew it was the right thing to do. Um, yeah. And I thought if I didn't do it, I would be, I would be there for my own interests and not the interests of my community who I advocate for. And yeah, um, yeah the, the best interest to me is making sure that survivors are given a voice and they're shown examples that, um, you know, in the face of very real fear, if you speak up, it, it and it it's a good thing to do. It's not a bad thing to speak up and um, to um, yeah. That that's that was my thinking at the time. I thought it would inspire the people that that feel like they're voiceless. It, I felt like it would give them a voice. So yeah, yeah. I think because you did it with such integrity as well that it was even more powerful, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't think I didn't go up there to offend anyone. I didn't go up there to really rip in or anything like that. It was just a a point that I felt needed to be made, and I wanted to remain respectful. And I think I I think I did. And yeah, I I didn't go up there with the intent to cause any drama or anything like that. I went up there with the best interests of the people that I that I represent on a daily basis. Yeah, I think it was good. I think it was very strong. Um, and you got your point across you. more effective because, in my opinion. Um, you know, the Young Achiever Awards are a platform for young people and therefore yeah. the platform is given and what the young person does with the platform is up to them. Um, now, yeah. One thing, you know, people do see occasionally is that, um, you know, people use the platform to make a big statement, which, again, I actually encourage. Um, but my personal, I'm trying to think, that's not my, like, preference, but what, what I love to see is that people use it effectively to get the message yeah. across and to bring people on the journey with them. And so that's what you did, you know, because uh, I have seen in the past where people try and use the opportunity and unfortunately it has almost the adverse effect where it doesn't bring people on the journey. Uh, it does yeah. it does spark a conversation so that really, you know, effectively does that, but it kind of doesn't um, bring them on the journey with them and then keep that, that following and that support going into the future. So, yeah, I guess that long-winded comment is is really to ask you, in your journey as a, you know, getting into advocacy and, and that kind of thing, how have you found the best way to bring people with you on that journey? Yeah, I think if you go into it wanting to be divisive, you'll get those sort of results. Um, I never want to be divisive. I want to bring people together. I want um, people that haven't experienced something, a, a crime as heinous of what, as what I've experienced to sort of not feel it, but I want them to get it, get an understanding of what's out there and what's going on. And the only way you get people on board with your sort of uh, mission is by having appropriate and civilized conversations with them. I think pointing the finger at anyone is is never the um, the answer, and um, that's what I strive to do. I, I only ever want to bring people together. Um, and you know, if there's if there's a very grave injustice where it's very stark and there's a, a real power dynamic, that's that's a bit of a different thing. But yeah, that that's that's always my te- intention. It's never to be divisive or or create controversy. I don't want to be that at all. Um, but I will use a platform like like I was given, at, um, and a platform that I'm very grateful that I was given. And um, very grateful that I was supported in my decision to utilize that platform to to give people an insight on what the point that I was making and how that would have made people like me feel. I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, really, really important to to do it with the right intention. Surely it'd be easier to just be bitter though, and uh, and angry because you yeah. face such horrible things. You know, 
how do you grapple with that with uh with those emotions that uh, and do they spill over into your you know everyday life um look i think if you see things that make you inherently angry it's better to sort of not be so reactive to things i think it's great to sort of sit things through and think them through and, and feel them and, and then come up with an argument or, or or counter i think there's a lot of sort of instances where there's been reactive sort of statements and people want to retract them later and stuff like that so it's better to sort of think them through and your point will still be relevant in a few days time when you've thought of it <laughs> instead of like an hour after the thing i think we live in such an instant everything's at our fingertips and we get everything when we need it. It's on, you know, movies are on demand. Uh, We have Uber Eats, food can be delivered, you know, everything's so instant. And on social media, we get an instant form of gratification. We feel that our output needs to be instantaneous. And I think, I think it's um, a a real contrast when, and it shows real empathy and real, and um, a real sort of thought out argument when someone waits and not wait, waits intentionally but thinks it through yeah um yeah i think that's important so you're a fan of the clap back two days later yeah maybe maybe. (laughs) (laughs) i reckon we should bring it in that's really good because i'm like yeah i know exactly what you're talking about and someone has this comment and you're just like oh i just want to come back that's such you know such crap what they're talking about but then you in the moment you're like oh i haven't really got the words to really say this in the right way it's not coming across right Right. yeah you're right a day two yeah. days later you think hmm, that's it now i know yeah. how to say it yeah. yeah let me get back to you on 48 hours that's yeah. what i'm gonna start yeah that should be mandatory on, on any argument you just yeah. need to give it a little cooling off yeah. period Graham should listen to us and put like a yeah 48 hour timer on responses to comments yeah yeah it's not a bad idea harrison <laughs> um another thing i want to come back to sorry you've had such so many good points that are I keep thinking, well, I'll come back to that. Uh, so, yeah. you know, coming back to the um, your work with New South Wales Police and uh, the SARO that you were talking about. Um, so, you know, I've got in my notes that you were uh, the voice and face of one of their campaigns. Was that something a bit different for you? Were you having to get behind the camera uh, and recording and things like that? Yeah, um, that was very different. And it sort of gave me, it was like a trial to what, what I'm, what I was, what I'm doing now, type of thing. Um, yeah, seeing how media operates, and I sort of, I, I, I was very grateful for that opportunity because um, it was a great sort of starting point for when I could do my own thing later. I didn't realize I was going to do my own thing later, but it. Oh, okay, so this was actually. Yeah. Um, when did that take place? That you were getting involved with that campaign? So, yeah. So sorrow took place. I was um, was introduced to me in December of last year, and the launch took place in early January of this year. Yeah, yeah. So this is before your reference ain't relevant was ever. It was it, the idea was there, but it was before it went to launch in May. Yeah, so there's yeah. quite a bit of time. So good to sort of get a feel of what the space is like because I'd never really got involved in that, um, and. Yeah, that was that was it was an amazing privilege to be able to do that um, with the police and like I remember before we did the conference, I was in a room with um, the deputy premier sitting across from me and the commissioner, the police commissioner uh, next to me as well, and I just was thinking, I can't believe I'm in this room right now, and it's real. Yeah, yeah. At the time, I think I've been doing advocacy for three months now, and it was before. This was after I came out with a video. I up so how I got started with advocacy was I uploaded a video of my story, and it yep. got like a lot of got a lot of views. So where did you um, upload that to? If people wanted to find that, uh, oh yeah, it's on Instagram. Um, yep. Um, username is it's Harry James. Harry's with an I. But um, yeah, so I uploaded that video, and it got a lot of sort of views, and then it solidified a following for me. And that's all, how I built off those opportunities. But anyway, back to Sorry, yeah, I was sitting there and I was like, oh, this is crazy that I've built up to this point. And, yeah, it was um, it was a great privilege. But the real privilege was seeing the numbers after the fact and the lives it actually impacted. That was like, um, so I'm saying this selfishly, but it was the greatest reward to see that it had made a really positive impact on people's yeah. lives. 
because I know what it's like to be voiceless and that's that could have given someone, you know, a real voice and made them feel seen and heard and, and respected. And I think that's all survivors want. So um, to be a part of that was, was a real privilege. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, let me know if you prefer not to talk about this, but, you know, with your personal situation and obviously you're helping people now to, to do the reporting and to get these results that for fairness and for justice for what's right. Yeah. You know, in your situation, did you have to go through that? Were you able to get justice for what happened to you? No. So um, I, uh, my um, stepmother did uh, sexually abused me from the ages of 13 to 16, and it happened every day before and after school. And when I was 15, she actually fell pregnant um, to my daughter, who I had to pretend was my sister for many years later to avoid being um, physically hurt by another certain family member. But um, then when I was 19, they fled the country. My stepmother took my daughter slash sister um, with her to her home country of the Philippines. So my case, and then that's when I had to come forward with my story and what happened for the first time to my family members. So, um, yeah, because they fled the country, I can't get justice in the traditional sense um but it keeps me so i've changed my name legally so i can talk publicly about this and stuff like that and i put all those protective measures in place but the my justice doesn't come from um seeing my perpetrator on a stand it comes from helping other people and that's why i'm so driven into helping others so they don't have to feel a tenth of what i sort of feel i guess even though yeah yeah so um that's what keeps me driven and keeps me going so um yeah i hope one day i can get justice but for now this is this is phenomenal and i'm i'm so grateful that i'm able to help other people like it really does it it's almost selfish because it really does bring me happiness like it does yeah yeah well compared to what you've been through the hard work you're putting in you know, it might seem easy at times for you. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but yeah. you can see why obviously you're so driven because of what you've been through, the the journey you've had to endure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, going through that, um, losing my daughter as well, um, and then, yeah, going through a plethora of different things after the fact of grieving and, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want anyone anyone to feel anything like that so hopefully i i hope i can help in any way and um i think it is so yeah were you able to find uh, support from your family as well um well see that's the thing with child sexual abuse that occurs in a family it's different to something like um uh, say for instance a case of institutional child sexual abuse where um so a religious leader preys on a child because that child's family has a very clear enemy. Yep. When it happens with a family, it divides the family. So some people go, well, I can't believe that, but some people do and mm-hmm. creates this weird dynamic within the family. So it's just another layer of um, of uh, trauma, I guess, because, yeah, some family members uh, didn't support and still don't support what I do. They don't believe what I say, but other family members make up for that tenfold who I'm really, really grateful for. Yeah. So um, it's a difficult one to navigate, but, yeah, I, I, I'm just grateful for the ones that do support me. Yeah. Is, you know, people believing your story, is that one of the hardest things for survivors to grapple with and to, to battle through? Well, I think we often say that it's so important for survivors to be believed, which is so true because... Um, we're we're faced with such an uphill battle, and um, to not be believed is like it's one of the um, it's the biggest punch in the guts of the whole sort of process of it, especially when it's family members or and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's imperative that survivors are believed, you know. And I spoke with um recently, like about a month ago. I was invited by New South Wales Police to go to a, a 
a conference um, to speak about my story and what police can do better in terms of report when it comes to reporting. And um, I was telling them it's so important that everyone in this room realizes the responsibility and the weight that comes with the fact that we met, that we will definitely be or most likely be the first point of contact for survivors. Mm-hmm. And to say, I believe you and what you're saying in this moment, what you're telling me, I believe you. It's so if we don't do that, it could completely change the trajectory of where a survivor ends up. So it's so important. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. I think for anyone, you know, who's who's listening and, and having questions around whether it's a personal experience that they've had with someone else or stories that, that don't seem believable, you know, just have to think about the situation that survivors are put through, what they, as you said, the hurdles they have to jump to get yeah. their story heard. It's not a nice thing. It's not no. something they want to go through. So no. I just always can't believe when people say, oh, they want attention. Yeah. You know, they also well, 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 are very rare. Um, according to statistics, they're very, very rare. And often when a false allegation does come up, it's because they're, they're, it's a cry for help for something else. And it's very, very minimal. Um, I don't think any sane person would make something like this up to just to go through the process of court. And like it, it's such a draining and taxing process. No one, no, yeah, I I couldn't imagine anyone making it up to have to go through all that. It's it's yeah. hor- it's horrible experience. The current system is horrible. So yeah, that's why it's so important to believe survivors. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. You know your story here as well, because uh, as I have said a few times, it is important and it's you know it's difficult, but it's something that we need to talk about. And yeah, hopefully by more people talking about it, more people advocating like yourself, it's going to make it easier for people to talk about it to help support and uh, and get behind things like the your reference ain't relevant campaign which is uh you know obviously exciting to hear that it's coming to you know the next step uh, in august yeah. yeah and um just on that point as well i think the conversations around child sexual abuse can be uncomfortable um but that discomfort is necessary for progress and we have to create a society that refuses to turn a blind eye and um, works to support all survivors. So it's really important um, that we get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. Now, I've got two questions for you before we wrap up, if that's okay, if you've got a little bit more time. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so as I mentioned, Spirit Super are sponsoring this week's episode of the Inspirational Australians podcast. And as such, they've actually provided a question. So I'll put that forward to you. You know, we've kind of covered it uh, in in other aspects, but uh, I wanted to ask it just to kind of get your thoughts on it anyway. You know, if you can kind of boil it down to to one thing, or maybe it's more than one thing, but, you know, what is it that drives you to want to protect and help your community so actively? Yeah, we've touched on it, um, but, but I'll just reiterate it. It's I don't want anyone else to feel a tenth of what I've been through. It's one of the most horrible things I think any person can experience. It's innocence being stolen. You have to rebuild yourself. And it's such a traumatic thing to go through. And it's so rife as well. Like I mentioned those statistics with one in three girls and one in five boys. That's what drives me. Yeah. And yeah, inciting change. And I want to be I want to be for the fourteen year old boy going through it today what I needed when I was fourteen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So um, that's what drives me. And um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're doing it so publicly, as you mentioned, Instagram, it's Harry James, Harry with a Y. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's sad that there are, as you said, there, of course, there's 14 year old boys out there going through it, which is sad in itself, but hopefully they can see something come across, you know, they're all on social media that gives them hope, gives them motivation, gives them strength. Um, and I think yeah. that's what that's what you're doing. The last question I had for you, Harrison, is that you're on the Inspirational Australians podcast because you most certainly are an incredibly inspirational person. But what is it that inspires you, whether that's on a day-to-day basis um, or whether that's, you know, uh, a long-term kind of thing? 
what is it yeah that inspires you harrison oh there's um there's a few examples actually there's the other survivors that i work with on a almost daily basis um people like anna coots shona amanda morgan sarah williams um yeah sam watson they're all people grace tame they're people i look up towards and um I just think they're amazing and uh, I want to I want to work with them and I want to be their friends and I want to, you know, it, they're so inspiring. They teach me to be a better version of myself. They support me and they uplift me and, yeah, um, they're great people to be around. The community of survivors is such an, an inspiring and amazing group of people. And what inspires me in the long term? I think, and this is just a complete, self uh answer like ego answer i just want to leave a legacy that lives beyond me and um i hope that my work can provide safety and security to generations of people your reference ain't relevant and what i've done with sarah and what i've done so far i mean i've only been doing this for just over a year now it's i can just say it's only the beginning I have my five-year plan. I have my ten-year plan, and um, yeah, it'll. It's exciting. That that drives me to keep going forward because I want, I want to leave the world a better place before I'm gone. That's brilliant, Harrison. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, anyone listening out there, if you know any young people in advocacy and policy that have an important message, please nominate them in the Young Achiever Awards so we can help share their story and hopefully inspire other people just like what Harrison is doing. So, Harrison, thanks for your time today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And look forward to following you know, your journey, your advocacy, and uh, all the best with the with August and the Your Reference Ain't Relevant campaign. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. The Inspirational Australians podcast is brought to you by Awards Australia. We recognise, celebrate, and share the stories of inspirational Australians through our awards programs across the country. To find out more, to nominate an inspirational Australian in your life, or to partner with our awards, visit awardsaustralia.com. If you enjoyed today's story, we'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and review to make sure you don't miss an episode and to help our guests reach more people with their inspirational stories. <laughs>